Thank you for joining us on the Desert Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that you encounter God through this message. Now, let's join Pastor Jamie Tasca for an inspiring message. Hey, if we haven't met before, my name is Jamie. I'm one of the pastors on the Hope team here at Desert Life Church. You know, I'm so glad you've taken time out of your Sunday to come and join us in the 8.30 a.m. service. They tell me this is where the intellectual people are because you guys are the early risers. That was a statement in which you can agree with me and respond. And if you don't think you're intellectual, well... Just cheer along anyway. I think you're intellectual. You know, if you're one of our regular family members, I just want to say hi. I'm so glad you're here. If you're visiting with us, if this is your first time with us, I'm so glad you are here as well. It's great to have Brendan Alcorn here with us this morning. It's good to have you here. And if you've never been to church before and a family member has dragged you along... I feel your pain, but you are in the right place. I was like you some years ago, being dragged along to church, not having any relationship with this God, this man they call Jesus Christ, seeing these people around me, raising their hands, acting what seemed somewhat strange, but yet they were passionately in love with a God, and his name is Jesus Christ. And I come to the revelation of who he is, accepted him into my life, and I'm going to put that challenge out there for you at the end of the service, and I can guarantee you my life has never been the same for the better ever since that moment I invited Jesus into my life. And, uh, you know, we're starting our new series today called Close Encounters, and it's not from the uh, Nunnel, Nunnel variety. It's not from the Area 51 variety. No, no, we're going to be looking at stories in the Bible, gospel stories, and I just pray, you know, as we we look at this, not just today, but over the coming weeks, that you get a greater understanding of who Jesus Christ is, the gift he gave you, the price he paid, especially as we come into next week where we celebrate Easter and we don't take this message of life that we have for granted. Amen? Amen. You know, I think complacency is one of the biggest challenges you and I can face in today's society. I want us to read from a passage. We'll read a few verses. And has anyone got their Bible this morning? Good. Anyone got the old hard copy version? Oh, look out. We do have a few. Anyone got their iPhones, Galaxies, whatever they use? Hammer and chisels. Good. I pray you take notes this morning. We're going to be looking at John chapter 6. We'll be reading from verses 25 to 35. It says, They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. Pretty important scripture right there. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food, spending your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. Sorry. Excuse me. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What shall we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent 
Did you get that? Believe in the one he has sent. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. I think they're a bit slow. What can you do after all? Our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I want to share this simple thought with you today. It's a very simple thought, but there are so many profound truths we can grab out of this passage of Scripture. And the thought I have for you today is simply titled, The Bread of Life. Did you get that? The Bread of Life. You see, that's who Jesus is. Would you pray with me this morning? God, I thank you for the incredible week that we have had. Father, some of us may have faced many challenges, but Lord, we know you are the source of all our challenges. Father, we look to you in this moment, and I pray that as we unpack your word, you speak to us. Give us a fresh revelation of who you are this morning. Lord, if there are people here this morning that don't know you, I pray that even in this moment, your Holy Spirit is speaking and ministering to them. Help each one of us to know who you are and to be known by you, Father. Lord, I pray you speak to each person, have your way. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen. Come on, why don't you just make some Jesus this morning? Why don't you give him a shout of praise this morning in the 8.30 a.m. service? Is anyone thankful to be alive this morning? Ten of you are, that's good. You know, the Christian journey is... One where we begin to know God. And the pursuit of the Christian journey is to really know God in an intimate way. But not just that we know God, but we allow where you allow yourself to be known by God. You see, God, he wants to know you, my friend. Have you ever thought about that before? God wants to know you in a real intimate and personal way. And we believe in a God here at Desert Life Church, and his name is Jesus. How many of you know for a relationship to begin, you probably need to know the other person's name? This week, I took my son, Ben, to the Telstra store to get a new phone because he had destroyed, I think, his third phone. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. Anyway, I'll get it on my therapy later on. We, we go to the Telstra store. He was on a prepaid plan, and we start to look at a new phone, but one on a plan for him. And uh, the service was good. A miracle. That should have stayed in my head. The service was great. But the gentleman who we sat down with to discuss the plans and to get it added onto the, the family plan we have, he, he was really good. And I introduced myself, hey, I'm Jamie, and this is my son, Ben. And Ben's like, hi, I'm Ben. I won't say the guy's name because I don't, well, you may know him. If you're here, I'm sorry. 
Shout out to those listening in on the podcast. But for the next hour of us going through this contract, he didn't refer to my son as Ben. He referred to him as Dan. Now, Dan, what sort of a phone do you want? Dan, what do you need? How much data do you need? And thankfully, he's 15 years of age and he was pretty gracious. A couple of times I corrected him, but after the 10th time, it was like, this ain't happening. So anyway, so yes. So we left and we had a bit of a chuckle afterwards, but it's amazing. Names are a powerful thing. And if you're going to start a relationship with someone, you better know their name. I don't know about you, but one of my weaknesses is remembering people's names. And if I have done that and forgotten your name, I'm sorry. I really am. But when you can forget someone's name, it really hinders that relationship because names are a powerful thing. Some of us, we can go through our whole life wondering, what is the name of God? We may realize there's something out there, but we don't yet know his name. We don't know him by name. You know, we see in Exodus chapter 3, classic example of this, where there's a guy by the name of Moses, and he flees into the wilderness, and he's hiding in the wilderness. He's running from, from God. And God shows up to Moses in the form of a burning bush. What was fascinating about this burning bush is the bush itself was a light, but it wasn't yet being consumed. The, the bush being in the form of God, speaks to Moses and he tells him, I want you to go back to Egypt and I want you to tell Pharaoh to set my people free. Is there anyone here this morning that needs to be set free? He says, God, if I go back, how do I tell them what your name is? How do I identify you to them? And God, he simply says, I am who I am. You want to know who I am, Moses? I am. You know, we're not talking about uh, a person as in Popeye the Sailor Man. I am who I am. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. He doesn't eat a can of spinach in order to finish the plan he has for him. This is a God, the creator of the heavens and the universe we are talking about. God, he doesn't depend on things from this earth. He depends on things that are from above. He's not some sort of uh, to 90s brass touch lamp with a mauve lampshade sitting on a white doily that when you press it, light comes. No, when he says, let there be light, there is light. When he calls the stars into being, stars are formed. He knows them and they know who he is. He knows them by name. He is I am. I am speaks to absolute power. Our God, he exists beyond time. My friend, our God went through dimensions to get to you. This is the great I am which we are speaking about. Our God is not affected by our ways, our flaws, our failures, our inadequacies. He is absolutely everything. What need are you of in this morning when it comes to the great I am? The Bible, it echoes this 
everywhere. And I want to give us a bit of background context around this passage in John. You see, we see Jesus, he shows up on the scene in the book of John. And John was one of Jesus's followers. And he's one of the guys who took one of the accounts of what was taking place at that time. And he's referring back to this moment in Exodus 3. And he lets people know seven different times who God is. God, he says, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the vine. I am the light of the world. He says, I am the resurrection and life. He says, I am God. It's knowing his name that we initiate a real relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, the pursuit of a Christian is to know God and to get God knowing you. What we're talking about today, it's not about religion. It's about relationship, the bread of life. So who is Jesus? Well, Jesus, he's God, but that's just the beginning of all that he has for us. See, in John 6, I love the way John described Jesus, where he says, I am the bread of life. You know, it's used more than 36 times that I can account. And as he's trying to reveal to you and I who, what true life actually looks like, I think it's important to note at this point that Jesus, he already had an important group of, an important following. Many people were following him. People were interested in knowing this guy. I want to encourage you to go and read the earlier chapters of the book of John and just discover who Jesus is. Look at these eyewitness accounts of what he did in people's lives, but it's not just a historical event. What he did back then, he can still do today in your life. John, the beloved, he writes about Jesus in action form. He's all grown up. In fact, in John 2, we see one of the first miracles of Jesus where he turns up to a party and he turns water into wine. The party had stopped, it had fizzled out and yet Jesus comes and he turns this water into wine but it wasn't ordinary wine, it was the best wine because anything he does, he does not do by half, my friend. When God speaks something over your life, he's not going to turn up half-hearted and partially complete that miracle. He is going to complete it until the end. His word is true. He is faithful. He is the great I am. People, they started to talk about him. They started to talk about his miracles. In John 3, we see a guy by the name of Nicodemus. He was a a Pharisee. He was a teacher and he comes to Jesus in the night because of fear. He was someone who should have known what he was talking about. And he has three questions and he says to Jesus, how do I find real eternal life? You may be here this morning and may be asking that same question. Jesus, a carpenter, begins to tell him, Nicodemus, you're a teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things. Jesus says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. He says you have to be born again. Another story we see in John 3 where he looks to Nicodemus and he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son 
that whomsoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Then in verse 17, he says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. How many of you know if God wanted to condemn the world, he would have sent a condemner? But God loves the world. He wants to save the world. He sent a savior. I don't know about you, but is there anybody here this morning that is thankful that our God is a savior? He provides a way for you. It's not one of condemnation. It's one of life and life in abundance. I am the bread of life. People began to talk and they're saying, what's going on with Nicodemus? Then we read in John chapter 4, Jesus heads to a well and there's a Samaritan woman who's there. She was a social outcast. She had many husbands. She'd been involved in many relationships. She went out at a period where no one else would be there because of her shame and what she was carrying. And Jesus turns up, he breaks the barriers because a Jewish man shouldn't have been encountering this Samaritan woman. We see a classic case of racism going on. Jesus is pushing through it. And he says, I don't operate that way. I come for everyone. He starts to question this woman. Woman, where is your husband? And she says, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, you're right. You've had five husbands. And the guy who you are with right now, he's not your husband. She says, how do you know all this? He says, well, I'm not just any ordinary guy. I am God. You've been thirsty for all the wrong things. And let me tell you, I have water that when you drink of it, you will never thirst again. I will fulfill you. We read later on, the Bible says she ran away and she told others to come and meet this man who, who saved me. More people start to talk. And then in John 5, there's a man who is sitting by the pool of Bethesda. He'd been there for about 38 years and he wanted to get well. He couldn't walk. He was paralyzed. Jesus turns up on the scene. I just love this classic picture. He's like, well, what can I do for you? It's like, well, duh. He's paralyzed. Funny question. This guy couldn't walk. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? You don't have to be a genius to realize that this guy wanted to walk. But I really think Jesus is trying to teach us a principle here. And that is you have to speak out your desire. If you want breakthrough, you need to speak that desire into being. Jesus, he wants you to confess in faith, I want to walk. I want to be healed. I want to be whole. I want to break through. What is it that you need to confess and speak out this morning when it comes to your life and the areas where you want God to break through in? It says that the man, he, he got into the pool. And I could imagine it would have been rather awkward if he couldn't walk. He may be an army crawl trying to get in. It would have looked awkward, but yet he marched out because he was absolutely physically set free. The great I am came and had his way through the confession of his faith. How many of you know our God is a healer? How many of you know our God is able? How many of you know our God has wonder-working power? In the blood of the Lamb, there is power, power 
wonder-working power in the... Come on. I'm not going to sing. Next service. John chapter 6, we, we land on a famous story. The Bible calls it the feeding of the 5,000. We see this miracle take place in all the four Gospels in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the other four books of the, another four books of the Bible. And this story, it puts this principle about the I am the bread of life into complete context. We read that there are 5,000 men, but scholars would tell you there was probably around 20,000 people because it only included the men, not the women and the, the children. And as they showed up, Jesus, he's there looking out at the people. Just listen to what happened in John chapter 6, verses 5 to 7. It says, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Verse 6 says, he was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. What an interesting scripture. We, we know that Jesus already had the solution, that he had a plan to feed all those people, but yet he still took time to ask Philip where they were going to get the feed or the food for the people from. What if I told you today, Jesus already has solutions to the problems that you don't even know exist right here, right now? What if I told you that the situations you face today where there is lack, what if I told you that it's a setup to see if you and I will trust God, to see where we put our trust in when those challenges arise? What if I told you God already has a solution for that bill that needs paying, for that miracle you're believing for, for that relationship you're craving? God has that perfect partner in hand. God has a plan. Well, what's interesting is Philip, he responds like a lot of us do. Jesus, he asks the question with where, where are we going to get this? But yet Philip asks the question with how. Philip states the obvious and he comes with, back with this whole idea of how. You know, God, he doesn't work in the obvious. I wish he did sometimes. <laughs> but he moves in the subtle. He moves in the mysterious. I am so glad he doesn't answer my prayers how I want them orchestrated. He answers them his way, the ultimate best way, which brings not just about the miracle, but even more. Philip, he indicates half our salary won't be enough to feed all these people. But you notice that's not what Jesus asked. He said, where are we going to get the food? You notice how changes, how's methods, they, they come and go. But where, where is your source? Where is your hope, my friend? Where do you find your resource? Where do you find your inspiration? Where do you find your motivation? I want to be like the psalmist, like in Psalm 122, where it says, my help cometh from the Lord. Come on. I've learned time and time again that God always shows up 
It may be in that last minute, but it's always when he has his plan being unfolded. You may not feel him in this moment, but that is not a reason to give up. He is the great I am. He is the bread of life. What are you selling yourself short on thinking it cannot happen? Philip, he looks around, he's like, yo, man, we don't, we don't have much. But Andrew, he's sitting there as well, and he's like, well, there's a kid over there with a little lunch pack. He's got five loaves and two fish. Let's nick that. The Bible says he took the five loaves, the two fish. And then notice what he does. He hands it over to Jesus. What do you need to hand over to Jesus this morning? What if, what if the thing that is holding you back is not what you are missing or not what you have? But what if what is holding you back is your ability giving that over to Jesus what you actually do have? Isn't it amazing when we can get to a certain place of ability such as wealth, we think, well, I can give now. Isn't it amazing how when we have free time, we think, well, now I can give my time. I've now got time to go and start serving. Can I encourage you? Don't wait until you get more money before you start to give. Don't wait until you have more time before you start to invest that time. Don't wait before you have more before you give of what you do have to Jesus. I'm not talking about just finance here. We all can be better stewards of everything we have. And no matter of how financially secure you are, how financially or how prosperous you are in your time management, you have something you can give. Start working with what you do have. Give God something to work with. Even if it's only five cents, give him those five cents. Even if you only have five minutes, give him them five minutes. Our God, he can do many things in five minutes. A day in the courts of our God is like a thousand elsewhere. Come on, my friend. Jesus, our, he, he breathed dirt. He breathed onto dirt and he created man. Just imagine what he can do with the dirt in your life. Would you offer it to him? Would you hand it to him? I've got a feeling if we would give him something out of our lack, he would turn that into something significant this morning. The Bible says he took five loaves and two fish and he blessed it. Then he says, distribute it. Just remember, there was around 20,000 people there. It's a miracle in itself. And not only were there enough to feed everyone, there was leftovers. Your God, he's a God of leftovers. He is a God of abundance. It says there were 12 baskets of leftovers. 
our God, he doesn't just do enough. He does more than enough. He doesn't just slightly satisfy. He deeply fulfills every need we have. Come on, I just want to encourage you. If you believe it this morning, I know there is a bit of praise in you. There is a bit of sass in you that you can give him thanks this morning for who he is and for what he has done in your life. We thank you, Lord. You know, the Bible says that these people, they were stirred up. People had been watching, incredible stuff had been happening, and Jesus knew that they were going to force him to be their king, so he withdraws quietly. You may be wondering, why did he go away? Doesn't he want to be king? My friend, Jesus already is king. He doesn't need anybody to crown him with a throne. They were looking for some sort of political leader, but yet he knew he was the king of kings and lord of lords. He came from heaven down to earth. He is God. But yet they were trying to look for someone to take down this Roman Empire. While Jesus, he was just looking to take over people's hearts. He says, I'm going to go lower so that all of humanity can go higher. Our God, he went through dimensions for you, my friend. Jesus, he walks out, he goes to the other side of this body of water. When the people, the multitude woke up, they said, where is he? They go looking for him. And when they finally find Jesus, we read in verses 25 to 27, it says, they found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. I really want us to catch this because this is so important when it comes to our Christian faith, our relationship with God. Jesus, he's saying, the only reason you came to me is because I gave you temporal food. I gave you something uh, physical in order to fill your belly. And you don't realize that this, this bread, it's temporal, it, it spoils. The only reason you came to me is because you wanted me to do something for you. I really feel Jesus is saying, I'm wondering, can you come to me just because of who I am? I know you know what I've done for you, but I am because I am is even greater than what I have done. He is the great I am, my friend. He didn't just come to fill your belly. That's temporal. He came to set you free, to give you life in abundance, so that you and I could be, as they say in the scriptures, partakers of his kingdom, where we bring heaven down on earth. The intentions, the motivations of their heart was being challenged right there in their moment. God, he's saying, you can't come to me just for benefits. I want you to come to me for a relationship. You know, knowing my name, it's a starting point. But I need you to know more than my name because I am the bread of life. You came and you're trying to find me because I offered you bread back there over the other side of the lake. But guess what? If you really knew who I was you would know I am is so much better than bread. I am here for you. I am the bread of life that once you taste, you will never be hungry again. 
This is the epidemic that I think you and I live in today. We, we want the power of God, but we don't want the person of Jesus. We want the miracles, but we don't want the man who comes with the miracles. We want the crown, but not the cross. We want blessing, but we don't want the burden that can come with it at times. Jesus is saying, I, I know why you are here. You came because I fed you. And he's saying, that's cool, but that's, that's temporary. I, pe- I appease your physical appetite, but there's something more deeper. There's something that's soul craving that I want with you. I want an intimate, real relationship that only I am can satisfy. Isn't it sad how we as humans, we can be so fixated on the temporary fixes of the world? Where we want things right here, right now. But Jesus is saying, here's the deal, that the moment I stop giving you bread, that's the moment you stop and you run away from me. You know, I've been focusing on my health lately. I've been having to eat healthy, and it sounds glamorous, but I tell you, it's such a pain because I love food. There's one particular weakness I have, and that's KFC. And I've got good news for you, my friend. They're setting up franchises of KFC in heaven. Hot and spicy. Ooh, wicked wings. Not really named appropriately for heaven. I'm sure they'll rename them there, but, you know, they'll be heavenly wings. Zinger burgers. Ooh. Bring on lunch. But this last week, Fiona had an engagement. She was out and I had to cook dinner and I was home late. And, you know, I should have ate healthy because I have been doing really well, not having much takeaway lately. And uh, I succumbed to the sweet, soothing temptation of Kentucky Fried Chicken. It was good, temporarily. But then I suffered afterwards. You know, just because it's a quick fix doesn't mean it's right. It just means it's right now. So many people, we go for the right now rather than what is right for us. Jesus is saying, if you really want me to be your king, I am not a right now king. I am not in a hurry at all. Most of the time, I'm waiting for you to trust me. I'm waiting for you to allow me to come in and have my way in your life. He's not in a hurry at all. He's saying, I am everything you need. But for me to be your bread of life, I need to allow you to allow me to come into your life and have total access through every single area. It's amazing how we can compartmentalize God in our lives. You know, these guys, they were like, give us a sign to believe you. I mean, seriously, like they hadn't had enough signs. He just fed 20,000 people. And they were like, well, what sign do you bring us? What's the next sign? It's like, duh. It's amazing how we go back to Moses. And Moses, he went back to Egypt to set the people free. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And yet every day God supplied for them manna from heaven. Manna from heaven, it came six days of the week, but there wasn't enough. God, they were challenging the Israelites. You know, they were planners, a bit like you and I. We can try and plan our lives where we try and compartmentalize everything. We'll put God here and this here and that there. 
They tried to take some of this manna and store it aside and hide it, but yet the thing is, the manna would spoil. It would become bad. God, he was trying to teach them a lesson the same way he teaches you and I today. And that is, if you're going to follow me, if we're going to follow Jesus, it's going to require daily dependence on Jesus. God, he says, you want a sign? He says, well, firstly, Moses didn't give you that manna from heaven. God did. He said, secondly, manna came from heaven. I have come from heaven and I am is so much better for you than manna. (laughs) I have come from heaven's throne. I'm on the earth for you to eat from me and you'll never starve again. But much like manna, if you want to walk with me, you won't have this all figured out. You're going to have to depend on me every single day. I'll supply all your needs. You want a sign? He's saying, I am that sign. You know, the people, as you read, they keep getting disgruntled. They keep going back to Jesus and more and more continue to fade out. And finally, they ask Jesus, what is the work that God requires? Isn't it funny how humanity's knee-jerk reaction to the good news is, what do I have to do? It's as if the gospel, it's too good to be true, right? It's one of those deals. This, this gospel message, now it's, it's too good to be true. Nothing in our world works that way, huh? But they say, what is the work God requires? And Jesus, he answers, the work of God is this, to believe in the one whom he has sent. You know, that's your job. It's our job as a Christian to believe in Jesus. You know, I've learned whenever you remove relationship with Jesus, everything becomes work. Church, it becomes a chore. Oh, I have to go again. Seriously, 8.30. Could be down at Telegraph Station having a picnic or out riding my motorbike. Tithing becomes an obligation the moment you lose your relationship with Jesus. I have to give. It's not I get to give, I have to give. Serving in church, well, I've got that stinking reminder on El Vento, I have to turn up, I'm on team. Pastor Jamie will be mad with me if I don't go. Pastor Mears will be giving me daggers if I don't turn up for worship. Yeah, if they knew about Jesus who he was, they would realize the message of life he had for him. I would encourage you to read John chapter 6 because we're running out of time. Jesus, he says some crazy things. He says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll never experience real life. I mean, it's like, wow, this message has gone weird real quick. You know, you may be here today and you may be asking the same question. How do I eat his flesh? How do I drink his blood? How do I work for God. Well, my friend, the simple thing you have to do is believe. Believing equates to working. Believing equates to eating. Believing equates to drinking. And you could say, well, Jamie, who do I believe in? Simple message for you this morning is believe in who Jesus is, who he says he is. Believe he's not just some good teacher. Believe that he is God, the same God who showed up in Exodus. He is the great I am. Believe that he walked this earth. Believe that he had a cruel cross experience, a salvation experience for your sin, so that you and I could raise up with him and have life in abundance. Believe that every nail that was put into his hands and feet 
Each nail was for you and for me. On that cross, he cancelled that written code that there was for you and I. And that is, we're written off, deleted. Jesus took that punishment of sin upon himself so that you could have life, but not just any life, an abundant life. Believe that he went in the tomb and three days later, he resurrected. Believe that he's coming back for his church, my friend. He's coming back. What is your job? To believe. Because I reckon that right believing will ultimately lead to right living. When you believe in him, when you have a relationship with him, you will realize he is the eternal one. He is the source to all your challenges. He is the guide to your path. Do you believe in him this morning? My plea with you is don't be like one of those many people who walked away. They encountered him. They saw the miracle. They went for the temporal, physical fix. So easy to fall into that temptation. Jesus, I've got this problem. I need you here right now. You know, I think we can still go to him, but it's all about how we go to him with our problems. You hear me? It's relationship. Who is Jesus to you, my friend? Is he the great I am? Is he your bread of life? Do you go and feast with him, not just once a week on a Sunday, but do we feast with him daily? Thank you for joining us on the podcast. For more information about Desert Life Church, go to desertlifechurch.org or check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day and remember, you belong here.